Some Sundays it's easier to say than others, but God is good. And all the time. I hope you stand in it, trust it, believe it this morning. I'm grateful for uh, another opportunity to, to preach God's words to, to you. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians or however uh, you might uh, have the Bible available there to you, one in the pew or your own or your phone. Or, but uh, let's look to God's word this morning. I say this a lot at, at, at funerals sometimes, and I've, I've, it dawned on me a while back that it it's, would probably be much more appropriate, or maybe as appropriate, to speak it uh, am, uh, among living crowds and, and those where we aren't just uh, uh, remembering uh, the passing of someone. But so many circumstances and events bring us to a place where we don't feel like there are any words, or how do you... How do you talk about it? How do you think about it? What do you, what do, you do? Um, I've already mentioned it, but 9-11 was one of those mornings. I remember, you know, it was one of those times where I was catching myself having to push my bottom jaw back up a few times. I just, I just couldn't hardly comprehend what I was seeing. No words. But when we come to those moments in life, those places like that where we just feel like words are weak and what do we say? I am so, so thankful that we do have a collection of words that for thousands of years have proven sufficient time and time again to the people of God. Uh, and I hope if you have not experienced in your life, this is kind of elementary, but if you have not experienced just being in a place that's difficult or hard and just opening God's word and beginning to read and experience how he will bring life to you through it. It, it doesn't even have to be a, uh, oh, the pastor gave me this perfect passage for me to just open his word. It's life to you. If you haven't ever experienced that, I want to encourage you to put that to the test. Open his word. Just begin to read. It, it'll redirect your thoughts. It will help you through the circumstances that you're dealing with in your life. And uh, I praise God for his word today. I don't have anything else to say other than what his word says. So uh, you take this morning, ask the Holy Spirit to uh, open your awareness to what's good and what you need, and you take that and leave the rest of it that I might say here, okay? Is that a good deal? You can just take what helps you, and the rest of it you can leave uh, here and not worry about it, okay? Because... Uh, I hope everything that he helps me to share is good, but uh, sometimes I get in the way of what he wants to say. So uh, let's listen to him this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word this morning? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air whose spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, 
But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, everybody say he's rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I, I took some time this week to uh, go back and, uh, and see how many songs uh, we, that we sing that speak of grace, the grace of the Lord. And you might imagine that it didn't take long to get a very, 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 very long list. We sing about grace a whole lot. We've sung about grace a whole lot for a long, long time. My only concern is I'm not sure that we've always lived in that grace to the full extent that God intended for us as his people to live in it. Uh, maybe you're not like me in this, but sometimes it's easier for me to sing a song than it is to live out the words of that song. I'm, I'm guilty. I can, I can sing and declare some beautiful medleys, some amazing lyrics. Now, I didn't say, say I could sing beautifully, but I can sing some beautiful songs. But what I sense rising up in me more and more all the time is, God, help me to live out your words. Help me to live out the words of these songs that declare the truth of your word. We sang some songs this morning, and I'm so thankful for Matt and the worship team and their leadership for us this morning. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. Aren't you glad for that this morning? What, what held you, what bound you and kept you from being all that God wanted you to be in Christ by putting your faith and trust in him and surrendering to him, you are set free. All because of God's amazing grace, a wonderful old hymn. Because on Calvary's mountain he took my place, some day, some glorious morning I shall see him face to face, all because of God's amazing grace. You, you may not know it, you may not be fully convinced of it yet, but everything you have, you possess, every hope, every dream, everything about you that is even remotely good is because of grace. The grace of God poured out in your life and in mine. I used to, believe it or not, there were churches that would let me sing solos and, uh, and I would sing a song called Your Grace Still Amazes Me. And if I were giving the message a title this morning... I think that's what I would choose is grace that still amazes because I came into this world long after that great hymn of the church, Amazing Grace, 
was written. Uh, so I wasn't there when it was inspired. I wasn't there when John Newton wrote those words down. I wasn't there when many in his circles of influence were, were resounding with those words of amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So I had to go on a journey myself of discovering what's, what's so amazing about grace. And in fact, one of my favorite authors years ago wrote a book by that title, What's So Amazing About Grace? I hope that if you don't know that you are at least asking that question this morning. What if, well, I've sung amazing grace. If you've grown up in the church, you've sung amazing grace all your life. But what's so amazing about it? Does his grace, those of you who have known it for a long time... Does his grace still amaze you? Do, you? do you get up in the morning, take a deep breath, realize you've got another opportunity to live out the day and say, Oh God, that's grace. And I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed that you forgive me, that you see who I am. And you sent Jesus to the cross to die for me and he took my place. I'm amazed. Do you... Do you do you feel a sense of awe and wonder over that? Another song I, I love, uh, Grace Wins Every Time. And I wish Grace Guthrie were here this morning. I've, uh, uh, she and I have laughed so many times over uh, that name Grace appearing in different songs. And, uh, but grace does win. It will win if we will allow the grace of God to be poured out in our lives, it wins every time. And I'm thankful for such a great lyric. Uh, part of that song says there's a war between guilt and grace. A war in our lives uh, between guilt and grace. And many of us live there. Uh, we feel guilt over things in our, in our past. We feel guilt over choices and decisions. And there's a, there is a real Romans 6-7 war going on in our lives of the, the very thing I want to do I don't do the very thing I know I ought to do I find myself doing the opposite of that that, that Paul talks about so eloquently this, this war that rages within me and the songwriter says there's a war between guilt and grace and it's fighting for this sacred space your, your heart, your mind teenagers, your heart, your mind it's fighting for that sacred space. But I am living proof. Grace wins every time. Thanks be to God. It will. It will. One of the reasons grace is amazing. Is that it will win every time. If we will allow God to pour it out. In our lives like he wants to. One more. That uh, old song. And uh, I don't want to bore you with the story. Because I'm sure I've told it. Uh, to several of you. Maybe all of you once before. But we had the great privilege of pastoring in Iberia, Missouri, and Halder Lillinus, one of the great hymn writers of a previous generation, called that church home for uh, about 25 years. He and uh, his wife lived just right outside of town. Uh, he wrote many of the wonderful hymns, or at least began them, uh, in uh, Melody Lane, their little home, uh, seven miles outside of Iberia. One of them that he wrote, and I'm not sure exactly what all the... Well, I think... Uh, um, we were talking about it just before the service, Suzanne and, and I, and she was mentioning about it. But the wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue 
describe it. You realize what a task I've taken on this morning to try to speak about grace? How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall his praise begin? Greater than all my burdens, giving me liberty for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Great lyrics, great words that have been penned both past and present to speak about grace. What would be your definition? If somebody were to come up to you this week and say, I've heard about the grace of God, could you define that for me? Could you explain that to me? What is grace? I wonder what kind of responses we would get. I'm sure some of you, good, good students in Sunday school, would come up with the unmerited favor of God. Right? God, God not giving me what I really deserve. Grace. Grace. Um, you might say pardon. Uh, or it's gift. It's a, it's a free gift. It's, it's, it's God not treating us the way our sins deserve. And those would all be wonderful definitions. And I hope that you would use them if you were questioned about what is the grace of God. But uh, here's something I'm, I think is so profound that many of us really need to get. It's very simple, but it's also very profound. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do to make Him love you less than He does Right now. Right now. I, I imagine I will spend the rest of my living days on this earth trying to understand the love and the grace of Jesus. It's why I've chosen to speak about and feel led of the Lord to, to declare it because I know I'm not going to be perfect at it, but I pray that when we're done, I'll understand it a little better. I'll have a little better idea of what grace is about, and I hope you will too. But grace means the favor given to someone who deserves the opposite. That's a good definition. The favor given to someone who deserves the opposite. I don't know that I have to tell you this, and I'm sure it won't come as a newsflash. And it's just my observation, so this is one of those things you can take it or leave it, okay? I talked about that earlier. But it's my observation that we don't have near enough grace flowing out of the hearts and lives of Christians in our day like we need. That's just my observation. I find both within myself too many times and too many others of my brothers and sisters that we're so much better at being critical. We're so much better at complaining and describing how everybody is doing everything wrong and how much is going wrong and how much needs to be fixed that's not a news flash, folks. We all know things are, are not in a good state. But my greater concern is what are we doing to go against that, to work against that, to, to help that, to, to change that situation? I mean, I could, I could pull into a service station with a flat tire, and I don't need a mechanic to come out and tell me my tire's flat. I got that, okay? I need someone to come out and say, I can help you fix that. Thankfully, I know how to change a flat tire. I don't have to go to a mechanic for that, but you get the point. I don't need someone to declare to me what, I already, what is already eating at my 
Spirit, I need someone to declare the truth that is life-giving, that is hope, that is grace in my life. And that's what I find in the nature and the character of Jesus. The Bible says to us that looking out upon the crowds, he had criticism for them. He had all kinds of critique and complaining and mumbling and grumbling to say about them. No. The Bible says he looked out upon the crowd. And believe me, there were plenty in the crowds who deserved it. Plenty. Plenty of problems. Plenty of broken people. Plenty of misguided, misdirected, even evil people in the crowds. Jealous, angry, selfish. Only seeking what they could get from him. Plenty of people. But my Bible and yours says that he looked out upon those crowds and had compassion for them. Why? Because he loved them, first and foremost. But I believe it's because he also knew what, he, what they could be if they would surrender their life to him. And that these were the very ones that he had been sent to this earth for. In fact, he would say as much, right? The sick don't, uh, the, the well don't have need of a doctor. I, I came for the sick. That's the ones that need help. God help us. You know, long ago I learned in a, in a classroom, and thankfully I learned even before that through a wonderful holiness church, that the very, the very clearest definition of sanctification is being like Christ. Christ likeness. Desiring to have my life, my words, my thoughts, my actions, my deeds, everything about me as closely resemble Christ as they possibly could. So, what does it mean for you and I to look upon people in this world, to look upon ourselves and maybe family members, loved ones, whatever, and, and have a heart that says, may God treat you and me, all of us, better than we deserve. Rather than, I hope you get what's coming to you. You see the, 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 the great difference between those two? And certainly there is something within all of our hearts that cries out for justice, right? The disciples wrestled with this. Jesus, won't you be the one who would come and, and bring justice? You'll deliver the oppressed. You'll, you'll put the Romans in their place. You'll, you'll set everything right. And nothing could have confused them more than, to say, than for Jesus to not only declare it, but to live it out and model it for them. I'm not only not going to do that, I'm going to give myself into their hands for them to do what they're worst to me. I'm going to give my life a ransom for many. It was, it was the 180 degree opposite of what they had expected and hoped the Messiah to do. Do you see why then that God calls you and I to be people of grace and people of compassion and people of love? Because the world expects to get criticism. The world expects to get all the other stuff of, of treat me as my sins deserve. They don't expect to get love, kindness, understanding, a listening ear. They, they don't expect to get someone who says, 
I know that about you and I love you anyway. But that's what we see modeled in the character and nature of Jesus. And it all comes back to one word. Grace. Grace. The unmerited favor of God. That, great, that God so freely pours out upon each and every one of us. Let me give you three things, three ways that grace still amazes me. Okay, And these are, this is straight from His Word, and then we're done. Grace is still amazing to me because it still saves. It still saves. Look back at verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Praise the Lord. Grace saved us. Can, can you think of a time, can you go back in your mind to a time when perhaps there was someone in authority over you, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a boss, Maybe it was someone with a shiny badge. I don't know who, who it might have been. But you were in a situation where you were guilty and you knew you were guilty in spite of maybe all of your best efforts to lead things the other way. But you knew, I'm caught, I'm guilty. Or maybe you were at least in a desperate situation. And that person of authority showed great grace to you. They did not treat you in that moment as your sins deserved, as your transgressions deserved. They could have brought all kinds of, of difficulty and struggle and pain and discipline upon you. But in a moment of grace, they showed mercy and said, you know what? Here's another chance. You know what? I'm going to give you another opportunity. Grace. Great grace. Have you ever found yourself in, in a circumstance, in a situation where you, you were not equipped to deal with what was going on? You were called upon to respond in a situation and all you could see was how much you lacked in being able to really say, I've got this. I can do this. I can take care of this. I think about our teens all the time as I have the great privilege of, of being with them every week. I look into their eyes and I see them and I think so many times how over the next couple of decades life is going to call upon them and put them in situations where so many times they're going to say to themselves, what am I supposed to do? I've never done this before. I've never been here before. Can I get a witness? Anybody else in the room ever? You know what I'm talking about? And by the grace of God, there will be great grace from people they may have never even known that will come alongside them and help them and be there for them and offer mercy and help and hope. Am I, has anybody else ever been bailed out in this room? I mean, have you? Grace. 
Now, for some of you, bailed out means different things, but <laughs> maybe. Uh, I'm not your judge. It's between you and the Lord. But great grace, and, the, and the, the greatest grace above all is that we were dead in our trespasses. The Bible teaches us that everyone born drawing breath was born under a curse. The curse of the law that said you have broken the law, you have transgressed, you have sinned, and that sin has separated you from a relationship with God. And if you die in your sins, if you die in your transgressions, you will be separated from God for all of eternity. Now that's harsh, I get it. But it's also truth. And grace has been shown to each and every one of us that says, when you couldn't save yourself, when you couldn't pay the price for your own sins, when, when you couldn't be all that was needed so that you could be forgiven while you were still dead in your trespasses. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, a, a spotless lamb, the only sacrifice, the only one who could give his life, shed his blood so that everyone who believes in him could be saved. There's a verse that kind of sounds like that, isn't there? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The gospel in a nutshell. But I love that 17th verse as well, and I think we skip over it or miss it sometimes, because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, to say, hey, I just showed up to tell you all that you've done wrong and all that you're guilty of. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. How are you and I Christ-like? When we encounter someone else and they get it, that whatever we're trying to offer to them is a way of hope and a way of salvation. It's not a way of, I'm just here to point out everything you've done wrong and condemn you for it. And let you know how awful and how terrible you are. I am here to offer you grace. The grace of God. The grace that Jesus himself went to a cross and died. Shed his blood so that each and every one of us could have. And I need that grace every single day. The grace that is so amazing because it still saves. Grace is also amazing because it still sanctifies. What do I mean? Well, I said earlier that the best definition I know about sanctification is that we are to be a people who live our lives as closely resembling the model and pattern of Jesus in the Bible as we can. We're called to be sanctified, set apart. In chapter 2 of Ephesians there in verse 6, we read, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The grace of God. And Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Beginning at verse 1, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, 
we instructed you on how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Anyone ever struggled with knowing what God's will is for your life? Well, struggle no more. It is God's will that you be sanctified, set apart, holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God and the very God who gives, uh, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. What? Hang on. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. That would probably shut down 90% of social media tomorrow, wouldn't it? You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent upon anybody. Powerful words for our day. We are called to be a sanctified, set-apart people. Why? Because God wants a bride that is holy, that is pure. He's coming back for a bride, the church, that is holy and pure. No man ever married a woman and, and wanted her to be filthy. A desire for a bride that is pure and holy, unstained by the world. Does that mean that we just, we just shut down and go into a cocoon and never have anything to do with the world? No. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. And therein lies the difference. Like a boat in a body of water. It's okay if you're in the boat and you're in the water. It's a bad thing if the water's in your boat. Does that make sense? That's, I, I don't know how to make that any plainer. Grace is still amazing because it sanctifies. I've said it this way over the years and I believe it's still true and God convicts me of it all the time. How do I know I'm growing in being saved and sanctified, set apart for His purpose? If I can't look back over the last year or so of my life and say, I can see a change. I can see a difference that's been made in me then I need to go back and remember my first love. I need to go back to that place where I first met him 
and be reminded again, God, what you started in me, stir it up in me again. Do it again. I'm supposed to be growing in you. I'm supposed to be coming more like you. Your grace has been poured out in my life. And if I'm not growing, something's wrong. Help me to continue to grow in grace, to continue to become more like you. I'm not trying to pick on those who are advanced in years, but I've met a few people who have gotten down to the twilight years of their life. And oh, brothers and sisters, they are angry and frustrated and mad about everyone and everybody. And it is the saddest thing in all the world to get to the end of these mortal days that God has given us and you haven't grown sweeter, you haven't grown kinder, you haven't grown to be more understanding and compassionate of people and what they're going through. That doesn't mean that you throw away truth. That doesn't mean that you throw away speaking life into people and giving them wisdom and direction. But oh, if we have lived any number of years and haven't seen how much we need the grace of God in our lives and how much he has poured out that grace in our lives and how many times we've been shown mercy and forgiveness. If we've missed that, then we've really missed the whole point. He has called us. He sent us His Son. He's given us grace to be saved. He's given us grace to be sanctified. And the last thing that amazes me and why I'm still amazed by the grace of God is because His grace still glorifies. What do I mean? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes in the 21st, Verse, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. When I think about myself being a righteous person, I see how much is lacking in me. In fact, I'm reminded from the scriptures, right? There, there's, there's no righteous one. Jesus even balked at being called good. So there's no one good except the Father in heaven. What was he trying to say? He understood that in this mortal body, in this sin-sick world, in this life, we are all affected and influenced on some level by sin and transgression in our life and in our world. And so there is no way any of us can reach the level of righteousness that is found in God the Father in this life. And so he has a perfect, wonderful plan not only to send his son into the world to save us from our sins, not only to send the Holy Spirit into your life and mine to sanctify our hearts and purify us from all inbred sin, but to one day ultimately take us to be with him so that we can be glorified and be like him and not only be free from the power of sin, but be free from the very effects of sin in our world. Praise his name. He glorifies us, his plan and his purpose. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, But whatever, gains, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in 
Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. As I'm reading this, allow his word to examine you. Allow the Holy Spirit to just say, how am I squaring up with this? How am I doing with this? I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Everybody say forget it. Easier to say than to do, right? Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take note, should take a view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in, my, in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I often told you before, and now tell you again, even, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their, their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Praise his name. He still glorifies. And his grace is still amazing. Others have thought about grace down through the years. I mentioned a few songwriters. In closing, I just want to share a couple more with you as Matt and the, the worship team are making their way back. Je Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 14, But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You remember who he said that to? Mary at the well. She was the least deserving, least worthy. Coming to the well at a time when nobody else would be there because it was disgraceful, nobody else wanted to be around her. And Jesus knew that if all you're coming for is earthly water, you're going to be thirsty again. But if you'll come and receive what I have to give to you, and I just, I just can't get it out of my head that there's at least a handful of people in this room. Maybe you've grown up in the church and maybe you've not, but you've been circling around a well for a long time. And you've been drinking from a well of water and you've been thirsty again 
and again and again. But this morning, there's a Savior who in his great grace says to you and says to me, if you'll just come to me, if you'll just give me everything, all the stuff you've been trying to carry, all the stuff that keeps being a burden to you, keeps weighing you down, all the stuff you keep thinking, one of these days I'll get it right. One of these days I'll fix it. One of these days I'll overcome it. I'll find a way. He just loves you so much. And he's just saying, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. And it won't be just a nap. It won't be something you're going to have to say, boy, I wish I could get back to there and take another nap again. It will be a spring of living water that flows out of you no matter what tomorrow's headline says, no matter what that phone call means. It will be a living water that you just find it supplying your soul every single day. And I just got to believe there's a few thirsty people in this room. And you need some grace in your life. You've been kind of starved for it lately. This world has not been a very gracious place to be in. And if anything, there are some signs that it might get even harder. And it will get harder. But oh friend, come to the well. Come to the one who gives grace who began the good work in you and wants to see it through to completion, if you've let that grow weak in your life, come back to him. Come back to him today. You can kneel where you are. You can, you can bow your head where you are. You can come to an altar of prayer. But don't let this moment pass you without saying, I'm, I'm ready to give it all to the source of amazing grace to the one who still amazes me. Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. As we sing, would you bow your heads with me? Father, take your word. Help us this morning. You've done all that you could do and all that we need you to do in sending your son Jesus and showing great grace in our lives. Now help us, O oh God, to do what you have given into us the power to do, to surrender, to put it all in your hands, to say yes to you, to die out to self, to be forgiven of anything in our lives that is unlike you. Your grace still saves, your grace still sanctifies, your grace still glorifies. And we don't want to miss it. Help us this morning to make sure, to make certain that we are walking in your grace. Thank you, Jesus. If you need to come this morning, come right ahead as Matt sings. No. It is the greatest gift that through Jesus Christ, who died for us that we can receive grace and mercy that sanctifies us. That no matter what we've been through 
all of the sin, all of the death, that that doesn't get the final word. Amen? That that doesn't get the final word. God, above all, determines who we are. Amen? Sing this with us. some of you this morning this grace is available for all of us but it's an invitation it's a gift and a gift has two parts the giving and the receiving so God has made sure through Christ that the gift is extended and offered and given the question is whether or not you'll receive it this morning whether or not you will walk out of here not just singing I'm a child of God, but knowing I sing this because I really am. I have surrendered it all. I have laid it at His feet. And I don't just sing this because the melody's good and the worship team's doing good, but it is the testimony of my heart. And I will sing it not just now, but I'll sing it tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday because it's truth. It's who I am. If you need to make that decision, you can do it in a moment. You can pray and say, God, forgive me. Fill my heart and my life with this grace that I've heard talked about this morning. Thank you that you take me exactly as I am. You know me. You receive me. And you will make of me what you desire me to be. You pray that prayer and you mean it with all your heart then you won't just be singing a song because it's a great song. You'll be singing it because it's the testimony of your life. Father, may every person in this room be able to sing this out, not because it's a great song, but because we have surrendered our lives to you. We have taken ownership this morning of the gift that you have given to each and every one of us. And we are children of God because of what you have done. There is no power in hell, nothing that man can scheme against us to overcome it. 
we are your children. And so we sing it as a declaration, as a testimony of who we are this morning. We are children of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you sing it before we go? I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. the Lord. May he bless you and keep you as you go today. And may others see his grace in you. Tell them about it. Let them know because the grace that changed you is the grace that will change them as well. God bless you as you go today.